Thanks to the music team and thanks to David as well for leading us in that time. We, uh, we're uh, in our last week in our series in, um, in the Old Testament character, looking at the Old Testament character, Samson. And I uh, just want to say, if you're visiting this morning, you don't normally come along to church and you're here this morning, uh, we just want to say we're so, we're so glad that you've come uh, into church. For some of us here, we've been doing it all our life. This is something we've known to do every Sunday pretty much of our life. But for some of you, uh, this is a very new experience. Uh, singing songs like that is a new experience. Um, even hearing about uh, what David shared around uh, what we call the Lord's Supper and remembering Jesus' death and resurrection, it's, it's very new to you. Uh, but we're glad you're here. And I just want to say what I'm about to share with you today. I I hope that you uh, would be able to hear uh, something that's relevant for you and that you might want to learn more about um, that will give you hope, give you encouragement. For those of us that are here and we're followers of Jesus, uh, I hope this is an encouragement for you, a challenge for you. And I actually hope today it is a message that gives you hope um, with, as we look at this last week in the life of Samson. If you've got your Bibles there or your phone there and you have the Bible app on there, not... Um, uh, some game that you want to play, Donkey Kong or whatever, but you're happy to go to the Bible app, encourage you to go to Judges chapter 16. And uh, we want to look in the last week at the, the life of Samson here, and uh, we've called the series Power Without Purpose. And as we just want to just quickly look back on, on the last uh, three uh, messages that we've spoken on Samson, we've looked at a character in the Bible who some would say is a very frustrating person. Very frustrating person as you read through his story. You, you want to say, why are you making that decision? Why are you doing that, Samson? What's going on? As you read through his life, because he was a man who was given so much by God. From birth, it says, actually, in, in, in the very beginnings of uh, uh, Judges uh, chapter 13, it says, Samson was actually called by God, that he was actually set apart by God. This was what was given to him. And, and, as, and as we heard last week through what Pete Clark shared with us, that uh, Samson was a, was a Nazarite and, and he was separated for a purpose given to him by God. And that, and that purpose was to deliver God's people from, from their enemies, the captivity of the Philistines. And even though Samson was given this purpose, he was given this physical strength, given all of this, he, like many of us, messed up time and time and time again. So as we look at Samson, we actually can relate to him in so many ways. Maybe not the strength thing. Some of you might think you're very strong and you keep going with that, but but, but we mess up a lot, a lot of times. So we can relate to that aspect of Samson's life. We said very early on in the series that Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. That he was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. And if you haven't been here for the first three weeks of the message, uh, the sermons and the series on Samson, I'd encourage you to read through that because you will see that that he was a strong man, but his will was pretty weak because of the decisions that he made. One part of Samson's life as a Nazarite was that there were some, some commitments that he had to stick to, some vows that he had to take that he had to stick to. And there was three main ones that we want to really highlight here. And the one was 
No alcohol. No, no alcohol at all. He wasn't to touch anything dead and he wasn't to get a haircut. No haircuts, no touching of the hair, no cutting of his hair. But yet as we read through the life of Samson, we see that this didn't take place. That he touched dead things. He, he spent time with the wrong women. He, uh, he uh, did all sorts of things that went against those three commitments that he was to follow, that he was to obey those vows. And in the end, we'll see that he did get that, that haircut and what came of that. We looked at it, Samson, that he was an emotional guy, that he was, he was a man that was um, very much emotion-driven. He wasn't led by the Spirit of God, but more by his emotions. And you know what? We're all like that at times. We're driven by our emotions. Some of our emotions get us into a lot of trouble. And that was the case for, for Samson. The problem for a lot of us, as I said, is our emotions get us out of control and we end up letting them drive us rather than letting the Spirit of God lead us. So today we want to pick up the story of Samson here in Judges 16, where he is supposed to be uh, leading God's people out of captivity from the Philistines, but, he's, but he actually finds himself in a, in a much different place. So if you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you, to, the, to look up to Genesis, uh, Judges uh, 16, and we're going to start reading at verse 15, because we find Samson, he's about to uh, uh, get in all sorts of trouble here. Uh, this being Delilah, his lover, uh, this she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? bit of context here, the Philistines are paying uh, Delilah to get the secret out of Samson of where his strength comes from. This is the third time you have fooled me and have told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. We will not go anywhere there. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite, dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so, and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now, 
It's not a great place to be, is it? Physical strength removed. All his strength is gone. His eyes are gouged out the, in uh, not wanting to study it for too long, but looking in a few commentaries where it's probably a fair case that they actually burned his eyes out and then dug out what was remaining. Not the, not the most uh, enjoyable experience. Here he finds himself in shackles. He's, he's um, uh, in a sense, like an ox. He's like someone who's like an animal tried graining the grain day after day, quite possibly just going around in circles, being called names, people making fun of him. You couldn't get any lower of a place than where Samson finds himself. You know, as I, as I read that, as I think about, well, how does that impact on us? And as we read that story, I can't help but ask the question, what, 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 what happens when we realise we've blown it? When you realise you've, you've wasted an asp- a fair bit of your life, where you've wasted the gifts that God has given you, where you've done the things that you just can't undo. You're embarrassed by your actions, you've hurt people that you love, and you, and you didn't do what God had created you to do. That's where Samson finds himself, and I'm sure in a room of this size with this many people. I'm sure there's some of us that ask those questions of ourselves. I've wasted my life away. You know, the problem is that we take failure very personally. We, we may sit here today and we're still consumed by the failure that we have, we have done. The failure we've committed. We might even be sitting next to or near the person that we... Where we have failed, that we've let down, we live with regret. Even though we know that the Bible tells us that we can be forgiven, it's still very hard for us to accept that because of what we've done. We say things like, I wish I could have, I should have. Why didn't I remain faithful? I could have done better. Why did I say those words? You can't help but think of of Samson in the midst of being in the prison thinking, what have I done? Why did I make those choices? Maybe it's not an outward failure. Sometimes it's an inward failure. There's the promise of God, I won't do that again and we've done it again. We've looked at it again. We said, I'm not going to look at that again, but we look at it again. And we feel like a failure. You know, as we look at Samson's story, it teaches us something that we have to embrace, that I want to encourage us this morning to do. It's the principle that just because you've failed at something, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. Just because you've failed at something, it doesn't mean that you're a failure, that God is not actually done with you. He doesn't go, well, Tim, you've failed too many times. You are off the list. I can't use you anymore. Samson's story is an example of this as we look at it this morning. Someone said this, and I like this little line, a failure is an event, not a person. A failure is an event, not, never a person. We see in Samson's life that he failed over and over and over again. 
And when it looks like he's failed way too many times for God even to just love him, let alone use him, we see that God still will accomplish his purposes through this man who could not get things right. Just because we've failed, we're not left out by God. Failure is an event, never a person. So we read in verse 23, it says this, Now the rulers of the Philistines, those people that, in a sense, you could call them the bad guys, assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Now, Dagon, uh, the God, in looking a little bit into this life, now, uh, maybe it's a good little thing to just get a bit of a setting here. Can you just imagine for a moment, there's a whole group of the people, there's thousands of people, a little bit like um, Swan Street. I wasn't going to raise this this morning, but I probably should, but uh, Richmond. And... um, that, that, like, if you watched the news last night, as the Tiger fans were celebrating, there were just people at Punt Road. They, there were people everywhere, just there, and they were looking on stage as, as the, the hierarchy of the, the football team and the players were, were being up front and all that sort of stuff. In some ways, this is what's happening in this place at this time. The, the, the rulers are there and there's a crowd of people, maybe three, 5,000 people, and they are there and they're, and they're praising, they're worshipping what's happened with Samson's capture. And uh, the uh, Dagon, the, the god Dagon, in looking into it, was a, was a little picture of a man here. This is a bit of an image of this god who had a man's head and a fish body. And they're there and they're sacrificing and they're praising him for for uh, what's just been taking place. And in verse 24, when, when the people saw Samson, they praised their God saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who lay waste our land. Now remember Samson a few weeks ago, it's a guy with the foxtails, remember that? Tied them together, lit them, bang, up went the land, up went the field. And he multiplied our slain. Now remember again the jawbone of the donkey? What did he do? He slayed many a person. And they're celebrating. We've captured this guy. Verse 25 says this. When they, when, while while they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them even getting lower for Samson how low can it go 100% total embarrassment shamed in front of his enemies he's failed absolutely massively you know when we fail when we fail there's a number of ways that we respond to failure one of those uh, ways that we respond is a natural response and, that, and that's remorse. We show remorse and a lot of times that's where we stop. We think, well, I feel bad about what I've done. I shouldn't have done it. I'm a bad person. I'm a horrible person, in fact. I'm no good. I'm the worst person that's ever lived. I'm a failure. I hate my life. Sometimes what we actually 
find people do, and I see this a little bit, is we, we actually can play the victim card. You know, it's someone else's fault. I did this because of someone else. Or it's Delilah's fault. She's the one, not my fault. She was the one nagging me, so I had to give it up. Whatever it might be. A second response and a better response is repentance. The remorse, which is a natural response, but the better response when we fail, and I want to encourage us here, is a response of repentance. It's not just, I did it, I'm a bad person, but it's actually owning it. It's actually saying, well, it is my fault that that I've actually blown it here. I, I haven't done what God entrusted me to do, but, but what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to really turn from my wrong and to do right. I'm going to turn towards full repentance. Now, now, there are a few people that live their life and bang, they do something and that's, they've acted straight away and there's an absolute failure. But something happens over time for most of us when we fail. It happens slowly and surely. We fail a few times and we continue, we continue, we remorse, we remorse, but... We keep doing it. There's not a full repentance. Repentance is really saying, you know what, I'm going to turn fully the other way. I'm going to turn here. I'm going to turn from the lower way to the higher way, to God's way. I'm going to turn my ways back to God's, His way. I'm going to totally seek after God. I'm going to let Him redeem me and I'm going to be about His purposes. That's full repentance. You know, I've learned over time that it is pretty easy to fail. We do things, not sure about you, but I do things, and we can't undo them. Have you noticed that? Sometimes, a lot of the time when we fail, we think, I can't take that back. I remember some time ago, a little bit of a funny story, it's funny now, but not at the time. I remember uh, when I was away uh, a couple of months ago, and... um, I was uh, SMSing Sonia at the same time as I was SMSing one of my best friends. And I was telling Son how much I, I missed her. And at the same time, I was SMSing a good friend of mine, a very, very good friend of mine, my best mate, about wondering what the football scores were. And uh, before I knew it, I'd sent a uh, message to him telling him just how much I loved him and how hot he was. <laughs> you know, sometimes we can't get those things back. I won't tell you what he said back to me, but that's maybe an illustration for another day. That's a little bit of a light-hearted story, but it highlights the things when we fail. We, we can't actually just get them back. We can't take them back. Some of us have done some horrible things to people and, and, we, and we, we can't take those things back. We've posted something on Facebook and we think, why did I do that? I can't get that back. I, I can't get back how I spoke to that person. I can't get that back. I've failed. You, you, you can't take them back, but you can actually repent. And, and that's the case with Samson. His actions, he can't take those actions back, but, but there is repentance. We can repent. Some of us sit here and we go, you know what, Tim, you, you don't understand. I've really failed. Well, I, I would like to just highlight to you that, that the Bible is filled with lots of men and lots of people throughout the Bible who who really did fail, failed God. But yet God, in his amazing goodness, 
forgave them and they became just these incredible ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Samson comes to a point in his life where he remembers who he was created to be. He wasn't created to entertain the enemy. He wasn't created for for much of what he did. But he was created and he was set apart by God to do something significant. He had a significant purpose. And it's never too late to believe that is the case for you if you're a follower of Jesus and you think, well, I've failed way too many times. Samson's a great example for you, as he is for me, that God can still do his his purposes that he has for me through for sorry that he has to do through me for his sake for his kingdom you know it's my prayer as we look through this life of samson that you will remember that that god has a purpose for you and as we heard from pete last week the key purpose is this here's the key purpose to live a christ-like life to be like Jesus. The spiritual enemy, the devil, has every intention for that not to happen. But repentance says, I'm not going to get caught looking back. I'm going to look forward. I'm going to do what God wants me to do, and that's to be about his purpose, living for him. You can influence your future. There's no no harm in that. Watch what happens with Samson when he realises this in verse 25. He says, when they stood him among the pillars. So he's there. He's been brought out for show. He's at the Colosseum with these giant pillars are in place which hold the place up. This is what Samson says to the servant here, the person who's leading his hand out. Remember, eyes pulled out, burn out, whatever happens, they're gone. And the servant comes out leading with with their hand. He says, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so I can lean against them. And then I love what it says in verse 28. Samson prayed to the Lord. O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me. And I love this. Oh God, please strengthen me one more time. Some ways I, I read that and I think, you know what, I, I can he- think that Samson's going, you know what, I've blown it so many times. I've blown it thousands of times. But God, I just need one more chance. One more time. In your mercy and your grace, just give me your strength one more time. Samson's a broken man. But here we find him, at long last, in some ways going, it's no longer about me. It's about you, God. As I read that and I read this story and I read this part of the story, it's like he's stepped across the spiritual line here. For the first time, he's realising it isn't about me. It's about you, God. It's always been about me, but no longer. No doubt he had time to think about that as he was stuck in a cell, 
doing what he was doing with his eyes gouged out. But we see him reveal what it should be about and who it is about and what he wants it to be about. God, I give you my all. I, uh, one of the people that I used to love speaking to was a guy by the name of Ian Simpson who used to attend this church many times before he passed, uh, passed away. And I used to love the stories that Ian would say because Ian was a chaplain in the prisons and he would go in weekly uh, to the prisons and he would tell me these life-changing stories of what we would class uh, as horrible people for the acts that they did in society. But he would share stories with me about how he would go in and he would hear how their lives were changed for Jesus Christ and how they would finish their time of serving in prison and go out and share the good news to, to, to live the purposes that we heard from Pete last week in which we talk about here regularly of our purpose of life is living a Christ-like life. And that Ian would tell me story after story of these men who would in a sense have a Samson experience. They would repent of their, their past and their lives would be changed through their actions and their words and their commitment to live a purpose for God. Maybe that's what you need to do, just in a sense saying, God, just one more time, one more chance. Here's the thing, even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes, which is such good news. Because I know I'm a failure at times, many a times. But God can still, still accomplish his purposes through, even through my failures. What was God's purpose for Samson's life? That he'd help start to deliver God's people out of the hands of the Philistines. Look what it says in verse 29. Then Samson reached towards the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them. His right hand on one and his left hand on the other. And verse 30 says, Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might. And down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. And he certainly killed a fair few when he was alive. With all his might down the pillars came. That just reveals a little bit of his strength. He was a very strong man. But it wasn't about that for Samson. Even in our failures, God can still use you. Even, his, even the failures that Samson had time and time and time again, God still used him. It's never too late to be used by God. Never too late.
Maybe it's time for some of us here to say, you know, I've got to let go of the past. Let go of saying, well, I should have, I'm not, I'm never, I'm failing, I'm a failure. Maybe it's in fact time to quit whining. I'm reminded that as a Christian, we have the same spirit that God used to raise Christ from the dead living inside of us. That we might be down, but we're not out. That we can be, you can be, the person living those purposes that God has for you. But here's the thing. What are, what are the pillars that you need to pull down? I encourage you to be very specific about that. What are the pillars that you need to push down to get rid of? Some of you, maybe it is the pillar of pride that we talked about a few weeks ago. Maybe it is the pillar of anger. Because the pillars of pride, the pillars of anger, the pillars of greed, whatever they might be, they're actually stopping you from being that purpose, that per- person living with purpose for God. It's just impossible for you to do that while you still have those, in a sense, pillars in your life. I'd encourage you to be bold enough to name them. Write them on the green card. Go in there in the prayer room after and say, I need prayer about this. I need to take action about this. I need to push them down. I want to be a person of God. I don't want it to be about me. As I listen and I look at Samson, I see some similarities between him and I. I don't have his physical strength, but I can, it's life's about me. What Samson did was right. He did what God told him. He pushed the pillars down in the end and he died. He, he, in a sense, we read it and we go, this guy's a hero in many ways in the end. He dies a hero. Cost him his life. But for Samson, it was, one, it was a once-off. He gave his life one time. But as, as I talk about this and as Peter's talked and we've worked through this series, I'm aware I'm fully aware that this is, this, is, this is a tough life at times. To, to want to live our life for Christ every day. That this, is, this is a big call to be Christ-like. It's not always easy. I'm reminded of what Paul said in the New Testament where he had to say, I need to die daily. I die daily. I give myself up daily. That's a big call. But, but I'm also remembered th- th- those who are surrendered daily to the purposes of their heavenly Father, whose hearts are totally surrendered to Him, I believe impact eternally into their family, into their churches, into their friendships, into their sports team, into their music groups, into their workplaces, into their retirement villages, in their times of joy, in their times of sorrow, because... They're living like Jesus. It changes lives for the kingdom of God. That in a world, as as we think about the world, as, as David prayed for the world, it so desperately needs that. 
It so desperately needs people like you, like me, to be able to go, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to live for self. I'm learning from Samson. I'm not going to live for self. I'm going to live for the purposes that God has for me. Are you willing to do that? Am I willing to do that? I want to pray. And I want to give you just a little bit of time to reflect on that as we finish up. Let me pray. As you been listening and thinking for some of us we've been here for for each of the four weeks on this series of Samson and as you think about maybe something that's been spoken about over those four weeks you think yes I can relate to aspects of the life of Samson my my will is weak I, I have a pride issue in my life. I have an anger issue in my life. I, I worry about what others think of me rather than what my heavenly father thinks about me. I realise that there are pillars in my life that I need to push down so I can be about the purposes that the living God has for my life. Maybe there are hardly any pillars, but it's just a matter of going, I want to stop living for myself and I want to live for my Heavenly Father to be able pray a similar prayer that, that Samson cried out, God, give me one more chance. Use me. I don't want the rest of my life to be about me. I want it to be about you. I just want to give you a moment or two just to even reflect on that or even through what you've heard read through this morning. I just want to give you a few moments just to reflect to speak to God about whatever that might be for you. Father, I pray that your spirit would work deep within our hearts, that you would do something significant, that your spirit would do a healing work on those who are seeking forgiveness and to be made right with you. That they would know that it's never too late to come back to you and to live for the purposes that you have for their life. God, no matter what we've done in the past, that we would strive to be who you created us to be. God, I thank you today for all the people that you've been speaking to. And I thank you for this series on Samson. And I pray that there's, there's action that can come for people 
out of what they have heard, that there would be hope for people for what they have heard too. But maybe for some of us this morning, we, we've come to you, God, and said, this is my pillar, and I want to push it down. God, would you give them the strength, I pray, to be able to do that and the boldness to get the help, quite possibly, that they need to be able to do that in such a way that they have fully even repented from it and are moving forward with a future that is in line with you for their life. We're reminded in the Bible that we can do all things through you, through your strength that you give us. I pray that we'd be bold enough to name those specific pillars in our life. I pray that we would be living a life, if we're a Jesus follower here today, that we would be living a life that is different, different because of your presence, your spirit in us, your word in us. We thank you, God, that your presence is here with us today. We thank you for your transforming power that comes through Christ. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. And we pray that we would seek to be the church that you call us to be. That we wouldn't uh, just be inward looking, but we'd be outward looking as well. So as we go from here, as your church, as your representatives, into our families, into our homes, wherever it might be, into our workplace, uh, into our retirement villages, our sporting teams, wherever we go. I pray that our light would shine really brightly for you if we're a follower of yours, that we would seek to live that purpose that you have for us, to live a Christ-like life, living a life striving to be like Jesus. So may we be in your word. May we be people soaking it in and then living it out. We thank you again for your word. We thank you for the life of Samson. May we learn from his life. We give thanks that it's in the Bible, that despite all his failings and mistakes, God, you used him just as you want to use us for your, for your kingdom's sake. So may we go from here knowing that you want to use us for your kingdom. For we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for being here and we hope to see you tonight at six o'clock.